It's Christmas here on the podcast, so welcome to the show. Hi, and welcome to the Christian Indie Writers Podcast, where we inform, encourage, and support Christian indie writers on the journey toward publication. I'm Jennifer Carl Tong, and I write historical Christian romance. I'm Christina Katane, and I write Christian fantasy. That's JB. I'm Jamie Hirschberger. I write short fiction under the pen name J.R. Nichols. I don't think we should just call it quits for the day. <laughs> oh. Oh, we've had such a day already, everybody. Okay, so we had some technical issues there. And I don't know what was happening, but when I started to say welcome, like the music started playing. And I didn't hear the music the whole time that the the introduction was on. Oh, I heard it. Yeah. It was very strange. Okay, so... We want to thank you all for tuning in. We want to thank everyone who's listening to us on on wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we love you all. We love to hear from you guys. Like all, hit all the bells and whistles and likes and loves and all that stuff. Even though sometimes we are glitchy and we have technical issues, we ju- we're just who we are. That's okay because according to Shell. Oh, it's gonna be a good one. <laughs> That's so true. Well, I'm glad our failure makes you happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not failure; it's opportunities to um, right. pivot. Oh my! That's word. right. Oh, okay, okay so-, so we do have some chatters already. Good morning, Piper. She's saying hello to everybody. Teresa says good morning. Shell, of course, we already know she's here. Hi, Shell. Catherine Carroll's here. She's saying good morning. And we got Maria Johnson all the way across the pond here as well. She says, hey, oh, everyone. Yay. Hi, Maria. Yeah. And this Catherine Carroll, the thief who stole somebody's account. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so we like to go around at the beginning of each episode and ha- and say what's up in our lives and in our writing careers. So we're going to do that now. I'm going to start with you, Jamie. Hi. What's up with you? Okay, I have for your listening pleasure, once again, one of the best Stoic quotes. This quote is from Seneca, who lived from 4 BC to AD 65. He was a prominent Stoic philosopher in Rome. He had a unique position as the advisor to the newly appointed Emperor Nero in 54. And um, the quote that he had is it is more civilized to make fun of life than be than to bewail it. And I'm not necessarily interested in being civilized, but uh, I believe that this is good advice because to laugh at how life just keeps on, the hits just keep on coming, seems to be a recipe for sort of a, in general, more happy life. And uh, the Bible, what I typically do is I, compare what the Stoics said to what the Bible says. And if you read in Proverbs 15, 15, it says, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. So um, you can always try to change your mind 
about your circumstances. Uh, and, and again, the Bible says there is a time to mourn. There is a time for every feeling. I don't think it's necessarily healthy or wise to um, suppress sadness or to not really feel your feelings. But um, if you can, if you can find a way to be cheerful or to um, kind of, you, you will have a continuous feast if you can somehow find your way out. And I personally don't think it's anybody's job to try to dig anybody else out. But I think that if you can try to dig deep and, and make your heart cheerful, you just in general will enjoy life a little more. And who doesn't want to enjoy their life a little more? And so at the very least, you can be thankful. No. Okay. Were you done? Yep. Okay. Well, I'll go next. And I have to say, my granddaughter was here last night. Because there's an electrical electrical issue at her house that was affecting the the boiler, the furnace. So they didn't have any heat. So she came, spent the night here. And it has been a minute since <laughs> I had to get up. Get a child out of bed when they don't want to get up, get them dressed, get them breakfast, and get them off to school. Mm -hmm. And that's what I had to do this morning. And it was that child was playing us like a fiddle, I have to tell you. <laughs> because, number one, my husband's a little bit of a, he's a little protective. And he kept saying, well, what if she can't find her class? Because normally she rides the bus with her sister. Um, and so I got up this morning and I said, the first thing I said was, do you usually eat breakfast at home or at school? She goes, oh, at home. So I, she didn't like any of the cereal I had and she doesn't like oatmeal. So I said, do you want some toast with peanut butter? And she said, yeah, but don't toast it and roll it up. So she had a piece <laughs> of bread rolled up with peanut butter on it. <laughs> And then we get to school. I'm thinking that sounds delicious. Me too. <laughs> I've had peanut butter on bread, but I've never rolled it before. So that was a new for me. So we get to school and it was Christmas pajama day. Like she got to wear her Christmas pajamas to school. So that was fun. And then, um, and I let her choose how she wanted her hair. She wanted pigtails. So we put pigtails. We get to the door and she, of course, remembering what her grandpa said the night before says to me, I don't know where my classroom is. <laughs> and of course there's a sign on the door that says oh, students only beyond this point. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I can't take you to your classroom, but I don't know where to go. So I told the security guard guy, I'm like, my granddaughter says she doesn't know where her classroom is. I am her grandma. This is my first. He goes, go ahead and take her. That child knew exactly where her classroom was. <laughs> yes. knew exactly where to go to get her breakfast that she eats at school every day. <laughs> <laughs> On the little cart in the hallway, there's milk, and then there's a little bag with an apple and cereal, and I don't know what else in it. And she knew exactly where her locker was with her name on it. <laughs> it's just like, okay, you're here. You know where you are. I'm gone. So, but it was fun. It was an experience, but it's been like over a decade since I've had to do that. So that's what's on my mind today. That's awesome. I wonder you, if other states and other places in the world, like if the schools offer breakfast, because I, I know it's a Michigan thing that most schools do that. And we always had breakfast at home for our kids, but when they were public school, they still wanted to eat at school. There's something fun about, yeah. I guess, eating with your friends, right? 
That makes yeah. it more fun. Well, she took hers in the classroom, so I don't mm. know. Well, you know, when I, that's so funny because when I was still teaching, I got reprimanded by my principal because I worked at an at-risk school. And back then they had free breakfast for kids. You could pay for breakfast, but then if you were like a certain like economic standard, you got breakfast for free. Well, some of these kids would come in late. I mean, they're teenagers. You don't know what's going on at home. And so they wouldn't get breakfast because they wanted to be in class. And I always told them, get your breakfast bring it to class. I'll let you eat it in class. Cause I, I know that these kids need to eat some of these kids. Then they would only have lunch all day long. That might be the only food that they would get, you know? So I'm like, go get your breakfast. I got reprimanded yeah. for letting them eat in the classroom because like that wasn't professional. And now it's like well, a standard. How are, they, how are they supposed to learn with empty bellies? That's exactly what I thought too. And you know what? Yeah. They're not going to learn anything from me if I don't show them compassion, but right. Anyway, <clears throat> well, what's up with me sick? We've been sick this whole household. <laughs> I don't even, that's it. Like we've just been sick. Like I was sick last week. Um, I was, I've been like sick forever. I feel like I had Yeah. Welcome back. Headache. It's good to have you back. Thanks. I had a, a really bad headache that first week. And then the week after I was like, not feeling good. I'm like, well, it's just the sniffles or whatever. And then woke up Friday morning, miserable. Like <clears throat> I couldn't stop coughing. And, um, so, yeah. So then when we had our meeting Tuesday, I felt miserable at the meeting, but I'm like, there's no way I'll still be sick on Friday. I'm still sick, but I'm better yeah. and I'm here and I hope you guys, I'm going to be muting a lot to cough and I hope that's okay with everybody, but the whole house had it. it it's finally made its way to my husband. Um, so yeah, everyone here is sick. So I, but it's going around my, like everyone I'm talked to is like sick. So it's something that went around through the schools or churches or, or both or whatever. So yeah. Well, don't Maria cough says in, in the, the UK, microphone. It, 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 yeah, no, I'll be muting for yeah, sure. So I'll probably my, get muted a lot. My granddaughter's today. coming over, and I can't get her sick. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maria says in the UK, it depends on the school. Some schools offer an early breakfast club. Um, oh, thanks, oh, Piper. Oh, breakfast for club. I want to be in the breakfast club. Right. Let's see. Who would you be in the breakfast club, and who would I be? Just kidding. <laughs> for the, You had to be our age and watch that movie. Well, All right, Maria wait. says her what's... Sorry. Go ahead. Maria says her what's up after two years of managing to avoid it. COVID finally caught us. Thankfully, symptoms have been mild and we're pretty much back to normal now. Oh, that's good news. Yeah, we yeah. we wondered. We got went and got tested for everything. First, my girls went and got tested at their pediatrician for like strep because we've had bad sore throats. No strep, no bronchitis, no flu, no COVID. But the doctor was like, it's viral. Whatever it is you have, it's viral. You need to stay home. So... <clears throat> That's what we've been doing. Go ahead, Tina. Awesome. Oh, I, I don't even remember what I was going to say now. I, I was just making a joke about not getting us sick. Um, Piper says she's glad you're back, Jen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So our topic for today is the Christmas story and finding inspiration from the Christmas story. And I am trying to get my, my outline up here on my phone because my computer just doesn't want to work. Um, so well, we, we're going to discuss the Christmas story and the elements of the story and how that can apply to any story and how we can use it for inspiration, right? Right, because we figured if it's the greatest story ever told, obviously, we wonder, like, if there was a story structure to the way that it's put together as far as the way it was told to us or the way that it unfolded. Because what if, like, God is the ultimate planner? Huh? What if? <laughs> 
What if he is the what ultimate like platter? A trifold science board up in heaven, <laughs> and he's got sticky notes all over it. Now that's how I'm going to imagine him from now on. My life's a trifold with a bunch of sticky notes. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, it was funny. Um, it's too bad sometimes that the audience doesn't get to be a fly on the wall for like our planning meetings and the postcast. We've always talked about that and the precast. But when we started to talk about it, the most hilarious bit was like, okay, well, I guess we should start from the beginning. And we're like, okay, so where does the Christmas story start? And then it was like, we can't agree. Or it's not that we can't really agree, but it's like, it was debatable, right? Because one of us said when the angel came to Mary and told her she was going to have a child. Mm-hmm. But um, I think someone's original idea was even farther ahead than that. It's like, no, 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 but it starts here. And then I was like, well, actually, in the garden. And yeah. So- <laughs> <laughs> true so um we were originally starting to talk about let's begin at the beginning right mm-hmm. right so we couldn't agree on where the story started but if we were going to plot this out as like a movie we would say mm. i would say probably the angel appearing would be uh probably coming there pretty pretty close right yeah so- yeah, like if we're like, we only have two hours. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, you can't really tell the rest of the story without everybody knowing that this child right. was not a, because she committed adultery. It was not because of anything mm-hmm. she did wrong. It was because God chose her to have his son. Mm-hmm. Right? And there mm-hmm. was this angel. So like that to me is the hook. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I guess because it's like, well, once upon a time, there was a girl just going about her little Hebrew life, just like every other day, right? She was Mm -hmm. betrothed to be married, and her life was just kind of going along. And then suddenly, (laughs) an angel appeared. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which now, so have you guys looked at the actual verbiage of that? Because I, it just makes me wonder. So human looking angel glowing. I mean, like, what did she actually see? Do you ever wonder? Um, Cause I do. Well, well you said I you'll be afraid. Know. So yeah, I was just going to say that every time an angel appears in the Bible, the first thing they say is don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. And so um, I feel like there's something fearsome about them. Um, but the run, I don't know that they're really described. So first so. lesson to learn, I would say, is like you have to have a hook. For us, mm-hmm. the hook is an angel appears to a virgin and you're going to have a baby. What? Mm-hmm. Like, think about that. <laughs> like, you're reading a book and like, you're like, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna keep with this book. And then all of a sudden, you know, she's a virgin and like, she's pregnant. Wait, what? She's pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, be, now I got to read more. Right. And so, his name's going to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Right. Yeah. Right. And so the point though, of like the hook is to make people like, okay, I'm going to give this book a chance. All right. Now you've got me hooked. Right. Right. If, If she hadn't been a virgin who God hadn't sent an angel to talk to, no one would care about this story, right? Mm -hmm. If it was just somebody who was married and already had kids and all of a sudden said, an angel came to me and told me I was going to have God's baby, who would believe that? Right. Because they're like, okay, you have a husband. How do we know it's not his? You know, there would have been all these, but God knew like how his story had to unfold 
for the world to not only pay attention, mm-hmm. like, and then start to hear the rest of the story because then to see like people that knew Mary and her integrity, knew Joseph and the, their integrity when they found this out, now they're watching. Right. So, so the story then starts to unfold. So, right. Piper says, well, I mean, even if they are human looking, they come out of nowhere. And Mary is by herself and suddenly she's a stranger. Of course, she'd be so scared. That's true, too. That's very true, yeah. too. So. And if she's a young girl and there were men, they were looked like men, that would be frightening. Right. Um, and so then, so then we want to, then we were discussing what is the first disaster? If. The angel is not a disaster. If that's the hook, what's the first disaster? Well, I think Joseph, like being like, what do you mean you're having a baby? Right. Because yeah. dun, 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 <laughs> things could really turn south here. Right. Yeah, I mean, that day and age, she could be stoned. Right. He could choose to have her stoned for adultery. When I was um this morning, like doing my devotions, laying in bed because you know i'm lazy um i was thinking about this we did not discuss this in our our meeting but like they're like the romantic the romance part of the story if you're a romance writer like i as a child growing up i grew up with an attitude towards joseph i will be honest i was like what do you mean he was going to divorce her just because like, who doesn't trust her just like he must not love her if he's just going to throw her aside but I've learned over the years what it meant for him to divorce her quietly. Like he loved her enough that he didn't want her to die. He didn't want her to be stoned. He didn't want her even to be embarrassed. Right. He was going to divorce her quietly, which would allow her to escape this and, you know, could possibly live a quiet life somewhere else where no one knew her story, you know? Right. And like, think of like the sacrifice that that would do to him. To like divorce her quietly would mean that like all of a sudden he's without a, a wife and no one knows why. And he has to live with that in the, in the society the rest of his life, you know, and, and he yeah. was going to shoulder that. And I think like, wow, like, so like how, like you could, that's a whole romance right there, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and that's he was note, genuinely sorry. a kind person mm-hmm. because he was going to, because if he wasn't a kind person, he would have just had her stoned. Mm-hmm. And called it a day and went and found another wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then um, what do we have next? We have the first disaster. Then I guess it would be the midpoint or the second disaster. Yeah. I would say think? that that one would be, you have to go to Bethlehem for a census. Yeah. That's what- yeah. Out to here pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> right. On a donkey or how we always say a donkey. We don't know. They could have walked the whole way. We don't really know. Right, but I like the image of her on the donkey's back and him walking. I think, yeah. But still, if you if you've ever ridden a horse, I know donkeys are a little bit slower, but still, if you've donkeys ever ridden are a horse, worse than horses because they're oh. like a lot more bouncy and yeah. So imagine, stubborn. I used to get mad at my husband when he would go over a pothole when I was pregnant in our car. Like I can't yeah. even imagine having a ride all the way to Bethlehem on the back of a horse or a donkey. So, yeah. yeah. And you know, there's this whole thing about the second act where you have a whole bunch of little um, disaster kind of like some things are good. Some things are bad. You kind of have the up and down of the second act. Like we get none of that in this story in the Bible. Like we get like they went from here and they got to Bethlehem. But can you imagine like, I don't know about anyone else, but I got really cranky. 
at the end of my pregnancies. Yeah, we didn't get the story of the donkey getting a flat tire. (laughs) (laughs) You know, or like just like the the crankiness and the irritate like she had to be human i know like she was mary and she was highly favored and all that but she was also human and so Mm -hmm. it would be fun to sit down and speculate about the little things that just and then joseph wouldn't stop to look at the world's largest ball of twine (laughs) and he you know they took a wrong turn he wouldn't ask for directions (laughs) (laughs) and then you know bathroom breaks would be a whole different ordeal But then I don't or her pickle cravings. (laughs) (laughs) And Shell says we all know about road how road trips go. LOL. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And I mean, my daughter was just pregnant and she was just coming over here all the time. And you know, just like, Mom, I didn't know it was gonna be that hard. And I was like, Yeah, if you knew, you wouldn't have gotten pregnant. Right. (laughs) But and you know, just I just think about like how uncomfortable she was and stuff so yeah i'm sure there was like a lot of mini stories to fill up that second act that's just they just leave it out (laughs) do either of you know have either of you ever researched because i just always imagine them i don't know not necessarily destitute poor but not exactly like super wealthy people i i don't know the answer and so you wonder you know provisioning for such a trip um it's my understanding that um, a lot of people would put up booths. And so since they didn't have a booth, like I'm imagining they weren't like a wealthier sort of couple. Do you know what I mean? And so even provisioning for such a long journey would have been a hardship. Right. Yeah. I know know that in the culture, Joseph would have had to have established himself and had been able to be able to provide before he could have married her. So he would have, they wouldn't have been like destitute. I don't think the way that, you know, but again, like you said, like, were they ready to travel financially? We don't know that. And like the fact that like, it was so close to her time, like, was it because they were putting it off and hoping they wouldn't actually have to do it? Or was it just so like, like all of a sudden you gotta go right now. You know what I mean? So there's lots of questions we don't have, but, ultimately like they had them having to go was for sure a disaster in the story what i call disasters it does for sure just been point agree now the (laughs) final midpoint which would come at 75 percent, i think i know what it is what i I have an opinion what do you guys think this the the final plot point is i think no room in the end yeah that's what i think too like you didn't make reservations joseph like what's up just expect to show up at Bally's and there be a room. Like I don't want to give away too much about what I wrote, but like, if you think about it, like I always, whenever you see movies or you think about it, you think that like it's dark, it's nighttime and they're the only people going around knocking on doors. But if like, this was like something that all of a sudden everybody had to go for the census, like there could be people's like sleeping in the streets and all over the place. And he was just desperate because she was like in labor, right? Like they would have possibly just slept in the streets like everyone else, but no, no, no. She's about to give birth. We have to, you know, get inside somewhere, you know? So, and plus I don't want to give it away, but God had this all planned from the beginning. (laughs) No spoilers here, Tina. (laughs) So there was a reason that there's a reason there was no room in the end. I just have to say, (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome it was part of the plan part of the plan and so, so then the resolution a, sorry go ahead right 
Well, I, I want this is where I want you to share screen because a lot of okay. people think that the resolution would be the baby being born. But there's a there's a part of the Christmas story that I don't hear taught very often. I've actually heard your pastor, Jennifer, teach this mm-hmm. in the Bible study. Um, and we all know, like at, at um, Christmas, at Easter time, that Jesus is our Passover lamb and that Passover, Passover was pointing forward to Jesus and that he um, became our sacrifice. And everyone understands that. But what not everybody knows is that those lambs that they sacrificed on Passover we're all born in Bethlehem mm-hmm. and there's a tower called the Migdal Ed- Ed- Edron. Okay. I, it's Migdal something tower and it's in Bethlehem and it's a watchtower and the shepherds would be stay on the top. And so they could look over, like there would be shepherds in the fields and shepherds on, in the tower because any male lamb born in those fields was considered holy. Mm-hmm. And they would, not let their ewes give birth out in the fields. They would bring them into the stable, which was below the tower. And they would give birth. And if it was a male lamb, they would wrap it in swaddling clothes. If it was perfect. They would wrap it first, and any male, and put them in the manger. And then they would be wait there where they couldn't like fall or get um, marred to be inspected by the shepherds. Mm-hmm. And then if they were perfect, then they would be put with where they would go to be a, become a Passover lamb. So all the males got swaddled and put in the manger, but then they had to be inspected. And that's important because right. that's those are the first people. Jesus was born in that stable. And that's why I wanted you to share this because Micah 4.8 is a messianic prophecy. And you can see all these different translations, and they, a lot of them say watchtower of the flock. It says, as for you, watchtower of the flock, stronghold of the daughter Zion, the former dominion will be restored to you. Kingship will come to daughter Israel. So this is a prophecy of the Messiah saying that he's going to be born here. But if you hit the interlinear for me, this is the Strong's Greek Concordance, and these are the original words written in the original translation of the Bible. And you will see that they don't just say tower. They actually say Migdal. And I can't, it's too small for me to see, but if maybe you can make it bigger, but it's not. So it says right here, um, it shall it come to you, O Zion, the daughter, the stronghold of the flock, the Eder tower. And that word is Migdal. So this exact tower right right? this exact tower was prophesied hundreds of years earlier that the messiah would be born there so when the angels were told you will find the babe wrapped in swelling cloths and lying in the manger the shepherds sorry they knew exactly where to go because if i say to you in our culture where we live to you jen the lions Mm -hmm. beat the bears this week you don't think that there was like a melee at the zoo. Right. You know that I'm talking about football. <laughs> yeah. If you say I'm going to the Lions game, I know exactly where you're going. Yes. Right. And so yeah. anybody in the first century in this area would have known that in, that lay, being wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a major, there's only one place that happened. And that was in the stable at Migdal Tower where the lambs were born that were 
destined to become sacrifices for the Passover. This leads in so well to my, what I wrote today. I'm so excited. (laughs) To me, that's the aha. That's the wow. That's the, you know, the, the climax, the like, the -hmm. underlying theme of the whole thing. Absolutely agree. And then the resolution is everyone comes and worships him. Right. And Mary pondered these things in her heart. It's like that. What do you call that? That I can't that word I can't pronounce in French. That's like the the falling at the very end on the, on the graph. Do you know what I'm talking about? Den, denouement or something like that. Denouement. 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 I don't. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were trying to say piece de la resistance. I know. I was trying to all these French words. I'm like, mm, creme Soufflé? de la creme. Yeah, souffle. <laughs> souffle. <laughs> we're so cultured. anyway anyway it's just like the most awesome it's okay so like the whole nativity thing is really cool but when you know that like to me it makes me cry it makes me me want to cry if i can find he's preached on this a couple times if i can find the link to the sermon i'll put it in the show notes later i heard it in a bible study so i don't know if it's like I haven't no, he's, heard it. He's preached on it during, um, and he may even do it this season too. So, okay, because when it's I so heard good. him say it, it was in a Bible study. So that, mm-hmm. so it might, and I'm, it might have been online too. But yeah, yes, just incredible. Um, the 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 incredible detail in God's plot, <laughs> um, in on his storyboard and the little sticky notes that he's put into this story is just. Yeah. Wow. All right. So lessons learned from the um, the greatest story ever told is the hook is important. Having the, the different plot points are important because even the Lord did it. <laughs> he told his right. story. And the underlying theme of the whole thing is what makes it powerful mm. and makes it a story. And there's a greater Otherwise, purpose to the story. Just a story of some kid getting born. Right. <laughs> during a census. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Okay. So now it's time for our favorite part. Yeah. And that is the feeding of the backs. And we call it that because Jamie used to say when we were getting feedback on our stuff, is your back well fed? Meaning, did we get enough? Um, and so now we we like to call it that. And we only get positive feedback because we get a prompt and we have 15 minutes to write, no time to plan, and no time to edit. So we only say positive things. So who wants to go first? Should I do any, mini mini bowl? I'll go first. Okay. Since um, <laughs> it's funny that you... The prompt. Oh, the prompt is no room at the end. And the fact that you brought up like... So I would have been thinking on actually that information that I'd learned years ago from Pastor Gary and um, just other things that he shared. He, The sermon I'm going to try to find, he there might be a series of them where he really dove deep into the culture and things that like when the people of that time would have read or would have been told this story, they wouldn't have had to explain. So it wasn't written in there. But like, we don't understand like that whole thing. You'll find the babe lying in a manger. Oh, well, we know right where to go. 
Like mm-hmm. he's in Bethlehem in a manger. We know where to go. And wrapped we, in swaddling clothes. And yeah. wa- wrapped in swaddling clothes. Yeah, exactly. Where it was like obvious to them. So <clears throat> I'll, I'll try that. But anyway, so that was in my head, you know, but okay. Do you think people were sleeping in the streets? Janie, put that down, Denise said, taking the shepherd figurine away from her daughter and placing it back in the, to the nativity scene. Those are expensive. Is that why you only had baby Jesus and his parents? Denise smiled, thinking on her meager collection of Fontanini pieces her mother had bought her years ago. Well, aren't they the most important pieces? Janie shrugged. I think the barn is the most important piece. <laughs> the barn? Denise laughed. Why is that? Because there was no room in the inn, Mom. It was said in the, that duh, Mom kind of way that only an eight-year-old who thinks she's a teenager can say. I see, Denise said, slowly moving her cart down along the display of nativities. But Janie didn't move. I know it didn't look like this one. Mrs. Big, Mrs. Bugby says that it was more likely carved out of rock or stones or something. But I think it would have been like this one. Not clean and comfortable like a hotel, but sturdy and safe. She stared so lovingly at the scene that Denise wondered if she was imagining herself there amongst the first greeters of the newborn savior. Yes, I imagine it was sturdy. Yeah, Janie nodded thoughtfully. Joseph thought he needed to find a place in the inn for Mary to have her baby. Can you imagine how upset he was? There was like probably people everywhere because it probably wasn't just Mary and Joseph that got turned away. Mrs. Bugby said lots of people had to go Bethlehem to get be counted. That's true for the senses. So I bet the inn was super crowded. It probably was. But the barn wasn't. With those words, Janie's face lit up and she looked at her mother expectantly. Well, I don't suppose it was. So Mary got to give birth to her baby, not in a crowded inn full of loud, sweaty travelers, all strangers to her, but in peace among the animals. I guess it was just God's way of giving us what we need, not what we want. Denise placed her hand on her daughter's head and thanked God that he had given her what she needed, not what she wanted. Three, two, one. I ran out of time. There was more I wanted to do, but. Nice. Oh, I love it. I love that you took this prompt and had them shopping for a crush and characters. That's really great. Well, and they weren't, they were probably just like window shopping. Sounds like they can't afford to buy whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I literally have a Fontanini piece, a set that's just <laughs> baby Jesus and the parents, one donkey and like one <laughs> angel that my mom had bought me, served me pieces, but they are expensive. And like life gets like whenever it's time to like, you know, maybe buy nativity pieces, I'm buying for other people. I just don't think about, you know, myself and like that. So it's good. As long as I have baby Jesus, I'm good. <laughs> that's just, that's <laughs> my mantra for my life. As long as I have baby Jesus, I'm good. Like <laughs> says that it. she knows what that eight-year-old who thinks she's a teen voice sounds like. Oh, yeah. We all have that. Sorry, I'm trying to get my Yeah, I have working. a five-year-old who thinks she's a teen voice. <laughs> Teresa thinks your story was precious and oh, Shell thanks. says so great, Jen, really sweet. end. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this was, it was good. And I, and I like the whole um, child who gives out the, the like, Oh, what am I trying to say? From the mouths those, of babes. Those, yeah. those incredible profound truths of God that are actually so simple. And then the child says it. Yeah. In my mind, it's a short story, but the short story has to start before here because in my mind, the little girl has Down syndrome or something. Oh, and, and like, nice. and it's a mom. 
I'm guessing they're stressed or they go up to Bronner's. For those of you who don't know, Bronner's is like this Christmas, gigantic Christmas store. It's open year round, but it's like at Christmas time, it's chaos. But they like I, Bronner's in my head. <laughs> yeah, good. I didn't mention that would all happen earlier, right? In the story, yeah. if I was going to write this, I would kind of build up to what's going on in this woman's life and the stress and like how like she is like maybe not forgotten the truth, like what she's supposed to be focusing on, but just like, you know, inside, like being like what she, everyone else needs her to be, but inside she's not really feeling it. I don't know. I don't know what I would do, but in my mind, her little girl somehow fits into like how this isn't what she planned, but she's doing it right. Like, so I, I wondered what that line meant. Yeah. Uh -huh. But since we could only give positive feedback, I didn't want to ask. Right. <laughs> or it could be like, she's raising a granddaughter. She thought she'd be in her like empty nester stage. Yeah. And she's, you know, there's lots of ways I could, but I, that's in my mind, the the mother or grandmother's face or head is like somewhere else and the little girl is where right where it should be is focused on jesus mm -hmm. yeah okay well thank you i appreciate all that feedback and teresa uh, likes my mantra <laughs> you can you can use it too teresa <laughs> okay let me get my story up and i'll go next i have to do it on my phone because um if i open anything on my computer Things happen and I get like glitchy and then I talk over people. It's a problem. Okay. So here is my story. Floating, warmth, comfort, the dumb, the dumb, the dumb, the rhythm, the rhythm of his mother's heartbeat soothed him, the soft gushing of her blood flowing and the muffled sounds of voices mingled with others made his world seem almost perfect. Yet, something was happening, a change. He could feel it, a quickening pressure. The warmth he floated in seemed less suddenly, and the pressure increased. He kicked his legs, tried to fight against it, but it was relentless. Just when he thought he couldn't bear it another second, it released him. Cold air gushed at him, enveloping his body. There was light and faces and voices. He searched for the familiar voice of his mother, bleeding out his displeasure at having to be here, separated from her. Those who held him wrapped him, his feet held firmly in place. There was a kind of warmth and comfort in the in the cloths, but nothing like his familiar world. He pleaded for his mother, complaining against the strange sensations assaulting his body and the empty gnawing in his stomach. He heard his mama's voice, and it calmed him some. Then another sound pierced the cold night air. He looked up from the strange bed they'd placed him in at the source of the sound. Somebody else had just come into the world like him. Only this one had no warm wool to protect him from the cold, and his bleeding was strange. The wrapped the other's bare body in claws, too, and laid him in his own bed filled with straw. His mother had water leaking from her eyes. Then the shepherds came, kneeling before the other. A bright light seemed to fill the room. One of the shepherds cried out, saying, Behold, the Lamb of God. I love it. Yay. <clears throat> I didn't understand that it wasn't a human baby being born. Like it wasn't the perspective of a human baby at first. So, so well done, Tina. I love it. Yeah. I thought that I was like, oh, she's calling baby Jesus Christ bleeding. That's tricky and fun. But it's like, oh, no. That's not what right. she wow. That's It was exactly a really what, nice. Yeah. It was I nice. did that on purpose. Yeah, mm -hmm. great. 
Yeah, yeah Piper was- noticed too. She said she loved the twist. Yeah. What agreed. were you saying, Jen? Sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say exactly like everything you said was exactly the way I experienced it too. Like, oh, bleeding. That's an interest. That's a, a a good choice. Like, you know what I mean? Like creative choice. And, um, and then like to realize, and then because even the, the sheep, I'm a, like that, even the sheep called the babies crying bleeding too. So like, it just was really good. So Catherine says she loved that. And Shell says, great, Tina. Awesome twist. Yeah. Thanks, so well guys. Done. Love it. Yeah, great. I gotta follow that. This is mm-hmm. this was not a wonderful Sorry. sprint week for me. <laughs> but yours was so good, Tina. I love it. Oh, thanks. Well, mm-hmm. yours is always really good. So. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, uh, I'm very fascinated that I was the only person to take this this um, perspective, and mm-hmm. I guess it's because I work in customer service, <laughs> and so maybe that's front of mind for me. Um, so but it's fun. We all three did something different with it. Like, yes, totally it makes different. me so happy because I was too. like, well, it's all going to be the same story. Nope. Nope. All right. So do you want me to go and do mine? Yeah. No, we'll wait till next week. <laughs> of course we want you to go. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. You don't even have a room with double beds. I only reserved a king bed because it's just me. No, ma'am. We're fully booked for the evening. No rooms available at all. I'm sorry, but there isn't anything I can do. Oh, the woman bit her lip and I held my breath, anticipating a tirade. She was the fifth customer of the night I'd had to turn away, and each of the other four had been none too pleased and absolutely not shy about telling me so. Well, she said, then gave a big sigh. If there's nothing you can do, there's nothing you can do. She gave me a crooked grin. I bet your job has been kind of a nightmare tonight, huh? Relieved, I laughed just a little too hard. Yeah, it's always like this when travel comes through. Every year we book up, sell out. It's unfortunate that they show up the same time as many of our locals have family reunions. We get so many parties. I waved a hand, certain I'm boring this woman with my hospitality woes. What a challenge, she says, her eyes filled with sympathetic understanding. You probably really feel unappreciated on days like this. Do you want me to go pick you up a breakfast sandwich or a coffee or something? I was so taken aback by the offer that I am not sure what my face did, but it must have telegraphed something unintended because she quickly backpedaled. Never mind. I'm sure you can get anything you need from the kitchen. Well, I'm off to try to find somewhere to spend the night. You got any local insider hints for me? Somewhere I can book in that others might not know about? I lifted a shoulder. I mean, you could try the campsite down on Route 6. People tend to avoid it this time of year because it's cold, but they have some rustic cabins. One might be available. She reached across the desk and patted my hand. Thank you so much, sweet girl. She grinned that funny crooked grin again. I guess I can stop at the store and get me some s'mores makings. Make the best of a bad situation and all that. She turned and the automatic doors opened, seeming to suck her and her positivity out with them and then immediately vomiting a tall man in a camel-colored trench coat. His scarf billowed as he walked. His fine leather gloves caught the light and glistened. I need a room, he said, and it needs to have a kitchenette. As he spoke, the gloves came off, and a credit card was snapped down onto the desk. Oh, boy, I thought. Here we go. Wow. The end. Why why don't you like that one? I don't know. (laughs) I love that language. Of the um the the doors vomiting out the man like sucking out the positivity and mm-hmm. vomiting out this man in the trench coat and gloves like I yeah. love that part that's my favorite part 
Yeah, w- without telling us anything about this guy, we don't like him. You know, <laughs> like without telling us anything, it was great. Yeah, I love that. I, I love this it. like little right, this little ray of sunshine that just showed up for this person, and like, yeah, I love that whole thing. Thanks, Piper yeah. says that was fantastic, Jamie. I appreciate. Agreed, that. absolutely oh, agreed. Gotta love Friday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well. I guess it's time for what's next. So I started with you, Jamie, with what's up. So let's start with Jen for what's next. What's up? What's next for you, Jen? Well, hopefully getting better. Yeah. Gosh. Um, thank God for online shopping. Uh, Cause I'm not feeling the stress of being behind. Um, and my oldest stepson and his wife are coming home for Christmas this year. We've not, Aww. we've not been home for five years. So this is like a, a, very exciting thing. We're very happy about that. So just kind of getting the house ready and um, take my dad shopping and spend some time with him. And yeah, just, and then you guys know how it is. I do all the cooking. So I got all that to do as well. So just kind of getting into the full swing of it. Um, We decorated cookies last night. The girls and I did. Um, Well, Chloe didn't. Chloe's still really sick, but the rest of us did. So yeah, just kind of just doing the Christmas thing and doing all the family stuff that we do. So so my nice. what's next is um, really just not even thinking about writing for the next two weeks. I'm just going to be with family and do family stuff. How about you, Tina? What's your what's next? Well, um, Amber's coming over again today with the baby. Um, we're going to attempt to make Christmas cookies. Um, sometimes Eliana has other plans. And, you know, <laughs> what Eliana wants, Eliana gets. <laughs> and then, um, because, you know, she's, like, going to be two months old, so. And then Athena's coming back over after school and spending a whole week with us until Christmas Eve. So that's going to be fun. We Aww. might go to Frankenmuth and see Christmas lights and attempt to go to Bronner's. We don't know. We're still talking about that. And it's going to be She's off fun. next week, right? Or she has Yeah, she has no week. school. She has no school for two weeks. <clears throat> So we have this thing that we're doing. Um, I have, I don't know if you can see it, but I have like the, how many sleeps till Christmas we have up there mm-hmm. on the mantle. And then uh-huh. I have like the little barn. The only ones in the barn at the moment are the angel and the shepherd. Um, and the, if you look up on the white, up on the shelf behind the tree, you can see the wise men off in the East. That's awesome. <laughs> and Mary and Joseph and the donkey started at the far end of the house in the kitchen. And every day we move them a little closer to Bethlehem. And so Athena has been having great fun moving um, Mary Joseph and the donkey, but only been able to do it on the weekend. So now like the whole lead up to Christmas Eve, she's going to be able to move them. And then I have baby Jesus hiding and I'm going to put him in uh, probably on Christmas Eve before we take her home so she can be part of it. But. That is a lot of fun. That is a lot of fun. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to the holidays and Christmas and all that. We have like a family thing tomorrow at Bob's mom's. So just a lot of Christmassy stuff. My baby Jesus is not attached to the manger. So I often thought I should just put baby Jesus away and bring him out on Christmas. But I was A, where'd I lose him? And B, (laughs) where'd I forget? You know, so he just, I love that, forget, that you're doing you that. can't forget the baby Jesus. Uh, poor Teresa says she hasn't even started Christmas shopping yet with a tearful emoji. Poor thing. You can oh, do no. it, Teresa. 
Piper says, what's next for her? She's finishing her Christmas chocolate chip cookies. Oh, no. Why did you say that? Oh, no. Yummy. I will have to make some. And then she got her Christmas present from hubby Atticus. Yay. Yay. And then uh, Teresa says, her what's next? She only needs about 5000 to hit her December word count goal. She's been working very steady, crushing that goal. Good for her. And then uh, once she hits that, she's taking the rest of the month off from writing. Good for you. Shell nice. says that's such a fun tradition, Tina. Totally agree. Well, it's we just started it this year, but <laughs> hopefully we'll continue it. Uh, Catherine Carroll says she loves how you've got the story playing out over time. I love that too. And involving your granddaughter is a way to make it really meaningful, I think. Yeah. And then Teresa says, for anyone with little kids, I recommend the donkey in the living room. All right. Well, that Check sounds that good. We'd like a um, book around here. Yeah. Well, uh, my what's next, which first of all, I forgot I had a good what's up. So I'm going to share it since we're a little, running a little ahead. And when we were in our daily writing time, which by the way, from 10 a.m. to noon, I have the NaNoWriMo Sprint Room open for everyone to come and write Monday through Thursday, as long as I don't have a lunch shift at work. So come and join us, join our Facebook group, and then look for that room to help you be productive. Anyway, we were talking about microwaved caramels. Have you guys ever done that? No, but it sounds wonderful. Like making them or just microwaving? Yes. You just like, so you just put ingredients in a microwave safe bowl and microwave it. And then you have to like do a little bit of stirring and stuff like that. Oh my goodness, they came. Trace Thomas was talking about it. And so I had to run to flee to the store and I made some, oh, sprinkle a little salt on top there. So good and so easy. And you don't have to worry about like a candy thermometer or burning it or any of that stuff. You'll have um, to put I'll, that recipe in the Facebook group. I will. I will share the recipe that I used. Um, the one that I used uses dark dark syrup because I couldn't find the light corn syrup at the store. And I was like, is there a recipe that uses the dark corn syrup? And so, yes, I did find one. Oh, that came out so good. Okay. And then my what's, yes, my what's next. I finished the editing project I was doing for a friend. And now um, I am moving on to going through my novel, which is so interesting talking about God's timing, God's plan. When I put my novel on the virtual back burner, I I was ready to publish that thing. Like that was going to be the final incarnation. But since I've been like running around living my life and thinking, oh, I've got sort of a plot inconsistency there. And I've got information that's in my head, but not in the reader's head that I need to work into this plot. And so it's been interesting because what I've started to do is go through it one chapter at a time and just make sure. And so um, that is what I am doing in my productivity sprints right now. Also, I am spending at least one of those sprints actually writing so that because I feel like nothing has done more for my writing than those when I was writing every single day. I feel like I just improved so much as a writer that I think yeah. it's important for me to actually write. And um, so that is what I will be doing in this next week. And we won't have an episode next week, right? Right. Because it'll be Christmas Eve Eve. Mm-hmm. And everyone will be busy, busy, busy with all kinds of Christmas family stuff. 
Right. We normally take two weeks off um, at this time of year. But are you have you ladies decided that you're I'm not coming back the second week. But have you ladies decided that you are going to have an episode after that in this, before New Year's? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. All right. We just have to figure out what we're going to talk about. Yeah. If you have any suggestions, send them our way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, do we have any what's next in the There's um one more chat? popped up. <clears throat> Um, Catherine says still getting over being sick after 20 books and trying to get momentum back with her work in progress. Um, let's see. And then there's more things happening. Um, uh, just Teresa says, just wait to wash your bowl. Oh my goodness. Yes. She said that she made the microwaved caramels. Uh And then after she's like, if I wait to wash this bowl, I'm going to have just rock solid caramel stuck to a bowl. So right. I'm going to be a good girl and I'm going to wash this bowl right now. But she took the hot from the microwave bowl and put it in the sink and ran water. And guess what happened? It broke the bowl. It shattered. Yeah. Well, it only cracked fortunately. So it's oh. still a usable bowl from like visual, but she just can't put any like liquid in it. So she's thinking mm-hmm. she might like put nuts inside of it or something decorative, but it just oh, don't. Yeah. That's, she's like, that's what I get for being responsible. Just lick it. Just lick it clean. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm still trying to wrap my head around Teresa's little joke here. Christmas Adam, because Adam came before Eve. Yeah, not Christmas Eve. Christmas Adam is the day before Christmas Christmas Eve. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) That is very funny. Very cheesy. I love it. I love it, too. Okay. Well, if that's all, if no one else has anything to say... Then this wraps up this episode of the Christian Indie Writers Podcast. Wraps up. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for we're, we're so glad that you brought your presence here yeah. with us. <laughs> it was claws to. I never mind. I'm giving up. <laughs> oh, please. This is hilarious. <laughs> this has been so much fun. <laughs> oh, and yeah, and before you go, we have to say your your shirt, Jen. Oh. Yeah, we like did not even give any love to uh, the six faces. Of I almost forgot to wear Buddy the Elf. I almost forgot to wear a Christmas because you know I, I always have to have some sort of obnoxious shirt for this episode. And you and Susan showed up in her Christmas finery as well. Aw, post a picture in the Facebook group. Oh, Susan! I thought there was someone in the chat. <laughs> I was like, she has no idea what you're talking about, Jamie. It was all ready for the holiday. I, I got ready this morning. I'm like, oh my gosh, I never, I always have a crazy Christmas bag. Like, you know, usually I'll set up in the family room or I'll decorate the office somehow. And I hadn't done that. And I'm like, I, we have too many dogs now. I can't set up in the living room. There's nowhere to take the dogs. I have to be in my office. So yeah, Susan's all ready for the holidays. <laughs> all right. So everybody have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas. And we will see you on New Year's Adam. (laughs) Bye, everyone. (laughs) Bye. Bye.